Welcome to another episode of It's a Long Beach Thing, where we bring on guests and we talk about this beautiful city we call Long Beach. And now, here's your host, motivational coach, Paul Fortune. Welcome to another episode of It's a, it's a Long Beach Thing. We have a special episode for us today. Is this is the first time ever we're doing an interview in person with my good friend, Aaron Rushing. How are you today? I'm doing great, Paul. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm so glad that you opened up your place of business so that we could talk all things Long Beach. Yeah. Thank you, man, for coming. Uh, I think this is my first time doing this, honestly. So um, I'm going to take your lead and, and I'll be as transparent as possible. It's always kind of my life rule. Um, but I'm excited to be here. So thank you. Sounds good. Well, you have a podcast, so I know you kind of understand the format of it. So a little bit, <laughs> it'll 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 go well. So let's let's dive in, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, what's your association with the great city of Long Beach? So, uh, my wife and I just moved to the city of Long Beach. Uh, we opened up our our business here We're in financial services and whatnot. Um, obviously, frequent the area. You know, as a kid, I grew up. You know, right next door. Um, but we're happy to be here in the city and we're exploring really one business at a time, uh, making new friends. You know, we're here with you, uh, part of the chamber as well. Um, so we're, we're just kind of starting a new life here and uh, really enjoying the area. The, 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 I don't know, the air just seems different here. So we love it. Well, that's great. We're, we're happy that you're here now. Thank you, man. No problem. So uh, I know you're from the uh, Southern California area. So uh, give me a little bit of background on uh, on on your on your story. Um, so my story, our story. You know, I grew up. Um, we always our neighborhood calls it Compton. Technically, it's not, um, and that's just because of zoning and that kind of thing. But it's two street lights away. Um, so me, man, I grew up right there, and um, I was sort of a privileged kid. You know, considering the the area, I was privileged because. Uh, my parents never let my mind stay in one place, if you will. They're always trying to expose me to different experiences, different people, leaders, uh, mentors, uh, coaches, if you will. Right. So um, I grew up doing a multitude of things, man. I grew up doing everything from acting to dance to commercials uh, to video and, and uh, I mean, voice, uh, voiceovers, radio voiceovers. Um yeah, so there's there's kind of a lot of layers depending on which direction. Well, let's talk about the uh, the acting and dancing. Let's talk. Tell me about the acting and dancing you did. So acting, I started when I was six. I went to a super cool uh, preschool. A lot of people in the area went there. Uh, it was called Castle in the Clouds, and it was a really cool school, uh, independently owned or whatnot, family owned. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, his mom, saw me and was like, "Hey, you know, he needs to do what my kid's doing, right?" Um, so that's how I got started there. I did my first commercial at the age of six. Uh, it was, uh, 1984. Uh, I was kind of this kid that was supposed to look like, um, Carl Lewis, the sprinter. <laughs> I know Carl Lewis is, <laughs> so, uh, three, uh, three, uh, Olympics in a row. Didn't he win gold? That I don't remember. Oh, okay. I know he was one of the champions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, I was supposed to look like a little Carl Lewis running around this track. Um, so that was my first commercial and I kind of did that thing until I was about 13. Um, and kind of in the middle of there is when I got into, you know, dancing and uh, sort of competitive dancing at the time. Uh, really sweet lady. She was like a godmother to all of us. Uh, still is, actually. Her name is Regina Williams. 
Um, and her school was um, Regina School of Performing Arts. And so we competed all over the city and whatnot. And uh, for the most part, kicked everybody's tail. I don't care what the, <laughs> other, the other school would say, but for the most part, kicked everybody's tail. Um, <laughs> so that was that part of life. Well, tell me about the dance. Was it, uh, what type of dance was it? Was it uh, class classical she, dance ballroom? What, what, what kind of dancing did you do? She made us take every form okay. to be well-versed, right? So she made us take everything from ballet to jazz. Uh, but most of the performance for us as guys was hip hop dance, mm. if you will. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there was a point she even had to take singing lessons, right? Like that wasn't our thing, but <laughs> she's wanted us to be uh, well-rounded and exposed to things. So again, appreciate her for being, you know, who she is and who she was at that time. So you're 13 years old uh, in the inter entertainment world and uh, you decided that was enough of that? Yeah, I started playing football. I'd always kind of wanted to do that. Um, but just never did, you know, um, parents kind of, you know, oh, what if he gets hurt, da, da, da. So when I got to high school is when I was able to start playing there. Um, average, I guess you would say. Um, pretty decent track runner. Uh, my dad was a, a great track runner. Um, set a record, two records at University of Redlands. Um, one of which I, I learned maybe two, three years ago was just broken. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the record stood for like 30 years. Like that. Wow. So, um yeah, so I kind of took in his, his footsteps, and I was a decent track runner and whatnot, so I am. What position did you play in high school football? So football, I was a running back and a defensive back. Okay. So, yeah, and then track, I did the splints, so four by one, uh, four by, no, I didn't run that, I ran that once, but I said four by four, that was one time, uh, but mostly the 100, the 200, and then the four by one. So you were actually manifesting Carl Lewis because uh, as a kid you played him and then all of a sudden you start doing track like Carl Lewis. I guess you can say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess you can say that. Yeah. So uh, you're in high school. You graduate high school. Was there any uh, aspirations to continue your track uh, world in college or where where'd you go from there? No, not really. I applied to six different schools, got admitted to all six, thankfully. Uh, ended up going to UCLA. Uh, that was my first choice, really. And um, I spent a number of years there, probably too many. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't uh, really get into sports there. I uh, heavily thought about it, but just never did. Well, you must have been a pretty good student because getting into UCLA, I read an article recently, it's harder to get into that school than Berkeley. And Berkeley, <laughs> historically, is one of the hardest schools to get into in California and, and the nation and UCLA now is harder to get into. And it might've been that way when you were going to school there. So uh, academics must've been on the top of your priority. Uh, was that because it was easy for you or did you have family that told you, you got to get good grades or a little of both? How'd that, how that all worked out for you? It was definitely both. So my grandmother was an educator teacher. Uh, my mom was an administrator uh, in education as well. So, I mean, between the two of them and in their circle of friends and influence, I mean, it was like, you know, education was the thing. Um, I was blessed that a lot of classes came easy for me. Um, math never came easy. I always had to work extra, stay later, um, go to office hours or get help from the teacher or professor or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I, I remember doing pretty well in school. That's great. Now you graduate UCLA. Uh, nope, what nope, nope, nope. Oh, you did not graduate UCLA. So what? Nope. Tell tell me what happened there. It is my almost mater. Okay, <laughs> almost so, mater. Okay. Um, 
I had gone through a series of ups and downs, uh, regular stuff, if you will, you know, relationships and self-esteem and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I started working <clears throat> as an intern for a record company. And I got referred to work for another record company, but as a uh, paid intern at this point. Uh, that company at the time was BMG. And uh, I went from paid intern to a paid college rep. And so I did all that, you know, while I was at school or whatever. Uh, and then I actually got hired. Right? So I got hired as a full-time employee at BMG. Um, and then I just decided I really enjoyed this. I really like it. It really has nothing to do with what I'm studying uh, and what I'm paying for. So I decided I'm just not going to go back anymore. Um, if I'm not mistaken, there's like six classes I had to do before I actually got said degree. Um, it just wasn't a priority for me. Uh, and I've never looked back. So you're a semester away of, of getting your degree from UCLA, yeah, huh? I think up there, I think it would have been like two quarters. Okay. Oh, that's there, right. That's right. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just never, it didn't call to me anymore. Um, I was starting to really sort of become my own person. Uh, and I didn't want to, even though I did it for a very long time still, I didn't want to live someone else's dream, someone else's life, if you will. Um, so yeah, like I said, I just, I never looked back. What were you studying in at UCLA? Uh, I was kind of a mix between psychology and sociology. The actual focus was sociology, if you will. Um, right. Did you want to be uh, a psychiatrist or what was, what was your thought time, process? No. At the time, no. You just want to finish school with a degree is basically what the plan was? Okay. So I understand that then at that point, you, you, you were just going to school to kind of check a box, even though you were going to a prestigious school, it was basically check checking a box. Right. And then you kind of found something in BMG, what did you say, BMG? BMG. BMG, um, that, that, that felt good to you. So tell me about your career in BMG. Uh, well, the career there was pretty awesome. I mean, um, beautiful company, it was family owned. Um, lots of perks, if you will, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, you work in entertainment and you build a relationship, it can go a long way, right? So um, there'd be times, man, and I would have six, eight, 10 tickets to a concert day of, and you know, um, after I'd taken care of all the accounts and they said they didn't want to go, it, I mean, they were already paid for it. They would literally go to waste. So you might get a call if I knew you at the time, hey, Paul, where you at? Mm -hmm. Can you get to the Staples Center <laughs> by you know, five o'clock tonight. If you can, I got tickets to see at the time Usher. Oh, wow. Or and it's free to you. Are you yeah. get there? Show up. <laughs> yeah. Um, that would happen often, mm. believe it or not, uh, because someone just couldn't go or maybe they didn't want to go to a particular show. Um, or maybe there was two nights of the show running or something like that. And they want they went one night, didn't want to go the second night. Um, lots of perks to that. So that was a fun time in life. Uh, but it also kind of became a, a confusing point in life, too, because the industry can be kind of dark, you know. Um, there is, you know, some of what they say there is, right? The drugs, the alcohol, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it just became, for me, um, not necessarily a healthy place for me anymore. Uh, and I never had any of those kinds of addictions, thankfully. Um, blessings to anyone who has suffered that, you know, because uh, I know it's not easy. But... Um, 
it just I, it it stops being fulfilling for me at some point. So how did you stay stay on the straight and narrow when I'm certain that there was probably colleagues of yours that were partaking in these these drugs and alcohol? Um, how did how did you not get uh, waved into that type um, of life? So my career was never really. I never spent that much time around artists per se and management. I was distribution, meaning I was working with retail stores and so forth. So I know there were a few people, uh, friends who had battled some addictions that I worked with, but for the most part, I wasn't immersed in it. Um, and I, I don't necessarily just have that kind of personality uh, anyway with certain things like that. So um, I was just blessed to not be, I was in a more healthy environment, if you will, than than the, the typical um, music thing. All right, so so you're in this career. Uh, you said that. Did you say you were starting to lose the luster of the of the industry a little bit, or I was because the promotions started to get really slow. Um, and that's probably just because I was spoiled. Um, <laughs> my first couple of years there, it seemed like I was getting promoted like every year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. Right, so um, kind of hit a ceiling, if you will. And then the industry started to take a change, right? So you have the advent of the blank CD that gets out to the public hand. Uh, and then you have music that you can find on the internet that people can access. Um, so things just started to change, right? The delivery started to change. Uh, we weren't as big on putting a CD in someone's hand. There, there's different delivery, as I stated. So um over time, we started noticing some changes. Stores are going out of business. And then we hear kind of some ruffling. And it's like, well, you know, the company may go through some changes. All companies do, I suppose. Um, but there was talk that we were going to merge with someone. right? And it turns out that the company actually merged with something. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and it was years ago, right? But BMG at the time was the third largest distribution company. Mm. Uh, Sony was the fifth largest, if I'm not mistaken. So I wondered, why does number three merge with number five and then start to sell its shares to number five? Well, at that time, I didn't really understand as much as I do now about business. Well, Bertelsmann Music Group, BMG, is was a family-owned business. Sony was a publicly traded company. So ultimately, they were getting rid of their shares and they ended up selling all of them, if I'm not mistaken. So they basically just secured their family name and their family finances until <laughs> the end of time by exiting that part of the entertainment business, which mm -hmm. is distribution and so forth. Um, so yeah, so about two years after said merging is when I got laid off. And by that time, I was already starting to really sort of um, more so dabble, more whatever is higher than a dabble <laughs> um, in financial services. So that's kind of how I started there. Right on, right on. And I know, you know obviously we can't get into t too much of it, but uh, talk about that, uh, that struggle, right? Because uh, you probably were making pretty good money. Uh, you were not making good money with BM. Uh, you were not okay. Well, talk about that struggle. I'm, I'm you know, living in Southern California. Uh, I think you were married at the time. You were married at one point in time at that uh, during that during that cycle. Dating, not quite married oh, yet. Okay. But, uh, yeah. So essentially, and I talk about it a lot uh, in terms of the money. Right. 
Um, I recall my last year here, I was getting paid $36,100 for the year, right? And people go, well, how do you remember that? Like, what's up with the $100? And that's what I wanted to know, too, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that was like my raise mm -hmm. one time. It was like, oh, man, like I'm, I was worth a $100 raise. Right? Mm -hmm. like, that was the fight. $100 uh, annual <laughs> increase. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> not, not much. Yeah. And I started to internalize that. Um, I didn't get bitter about it, mm -hmm. but I was like, okay, this season is obviously over. Yeah. There's got to be something different, if you will. It's almost a, more of a slap in the face that it was a hundred bucks as I opposed to it. nothing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I almost think like it would be better if they just said, you know what, we can't afford a, a raise for you rather than say, oh, yeah, here, enjoy this hundred bucks annual. You yeah, know what I mean? I mean, an annual raise of $100, literally, Paul, is $8.33 a month. Yeah. So someone's telling you. And I really started, like I said, to get, okay, so you're you're telling me that I'm worth $36,000 a year. Yeah. And I feel like I'm worth more than that. Mm -hmm. So I just need to find a place and a way to be able to implement that and, and feel better about myself and what I do. Uh, and I didn't feel like I made an impact in the music industry. And I didn't want to waste time in life. Um, to me, honestly, it wasn't to the end of my career that I felt like I made an impact. And I recall specifically having an opportunity to go to the Kodak Theater uh, and meet Kirk Franklin. And he asked, uh, so man, what's your favorite you know, track on this album that we're releasing? And um, um, gosh, the, the record slips my mind, but... Uh, no, imagine me. That's the name of it. And he's like, kind of took a double take. He's like, do you know what that song is about? And I said, like, yeah, I listen to it several times a day, every day. And he's like, well, I keep asking this question because I want to know what to release later. Um, mostly women like that track. He's like, well, you sure you know it's about? I said, yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, maybe two months later, I heard it on the radio. And, um, the song essentially is about self-esteem, um, low self-esteem, that kind of thing. Um, it almost seems like they're in some way singing about a person who wants to just kind of call it quits, if you will, mm -hmm. if they're done with life. Um, I never really had those thoughts, thank God. Um, but every time I hear that song, I think about that story. And this was literally just a maybe, maybe a two-minute conversation with mm -hmm. the guy. Uh, but that's literally the only time I felt like I made an impact or was successful mm. on a large scale. And that's why I say the business just kind of lost luster for me. Uh, and I was looking for something more meaningful and something where I could at some point take care of a family because I couldn't do it off of that. I was bringing home $1,022 every two weeks. Mm -hmm. And you're in this industry standing next to celebrities or you're expected to go to a club or to even radio, wherever they're but you're expected to look a certain way and be a certain way and have a certain thing. And I just was not being paid enough to to do that, mm -hmm. not on a regular basis. Um, so all things that just caused me to realize there's got to be something different mm -hmm. for me. So, mm -hmm. you know, God bless all the people that are still doing it. Yeah. There's just something different. So then uh, you got into another another industry, the financial industry, and it's been in pretty pretty good for you. Mm -hmm. uh, but but uh, probably you know in an industry where it's commission based, I'm sure uh, it, it you didn't start out making a lot of money. No, right? No. So 
It's interesting. Um, the month I got laid off was October 2006. And in that month, it obviously was a defining moment for me. I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew that I liked financial services. I know I liked where I was. I didn't know because I'm kind of technical minded and that kind of thing. I didn't know the A and Z. So that was really scary for me. But I remember having a conversation with my then boss, Bobby, a super cool guy. And I said, you know, when the, the, the lists are being prepared, um, put my name at the top of the list. He, he may remember that conversation. I'm like, I don't have any kids. I'm not married. I don't have any property. And all you guys do. So put my name at the top of the list, you know, when it's time to make those cuts. Finally, one day he called, and I remember sitting in my my uh, home office at the time because <laughs> uh, they had moved us all to work from home, and this was 2005 to 2004. Before it was cool to work from home, huh? <laughs> yeah, they moved us all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the call came, and I remember maybe 20 minutes, like not a boohoo, but you know, just some tears, having good memories with people, and thinking, all right, so this has come to an end, that kind of thing. Um, but that same month, Paul, I made $4,000 in financial services. So I'm like, well, here's your sign. You rolled that till the wheels fell off. They fell off of that thing. Uh, but here's a sign, a clear sign that you can make it here and you can do this. Um, there was struggle after that. right? <laughs> um, but I've always had these little signs along the way. Um, I always kept certain amounts of faith, even if they weren't great. Um, and here I am, yeah, you know, now with property and family and all that good stuff. Now, what know? what what's flipped on you? Because, like you talked about, it, it wasn't just a it wasn't just a climb. There was a lot of this all, all, the whole time. But um, was there like a defining moment on when you said, oh, you know what, I really got to kick this into gear? There were a few of them, time and time again. Um, one in particular, uh, 2013, July, I met Patricia, who's now my wife, obviously. Uh, we were dating, and, and I didn't have any money to really date her at all. When we first were introduced, I had literally $31 on my checking account. And if you remember the store, Fresh and Easy, I had some points there that amounted to $5. So total, I had $36 to figure out how to take her on a date. Uh, so we went to a concert in the park. My friends, Dominic and Tanya, talking about these free concerts. We used to go. So we did that. I grabbed a bottle of wine or champagne or something from the fridge. That was already paid for, obviously. Mm -hmm. And uh, went to Fresh and Easy and, and sort of uh, suggested that I was going to get myself a salad. You know, would you like one too? Is what I asked her. <laughs> um, and that was like our first date. It was literally probably the cheapest and closest to free date ever that you could imagine but um pretty much since that point was a a inseparable nature if you will and really between you and your wife yeah. or then wife yeah yeah it's been that way uh she too was previously married so she had two daughters at the time they were 11 and 14 and i i knew how i was raised <clears throat> i knew that i was raised to take care of things I was never allowed to go out of the house if I didn't have any money. Um, I couldn't go on a date, you know, if I wasn't prepared to take care of the date. My mom and, and my father um, raised me that way. I was raised mostly with my mom uh, until a period of time. 
But yeah, it, it just I was ingrained. I was conditioned to make sure certain things took place. And I didn't want to let them down. And I didn't want to let myself down what I would say again. That's that really was a defining moment. Uh there's a few others that are kind of her story um, that I adopted, you know, and you know, I, I will refrain from sharing those because okay. they're sensitive to her and you know, family stuff. But um I can say that her income was cut. I can say that. And the defining moment at that point really was the job that she has. I told her, you know, you, you can't get a raise, right? They, the, the folks already owe you um, a raise from your last, uh, what do they call it, review. Mm -hmm. And they haven't paid it yet. So you mm -hmm. can't get, you know, this big raise that you need to make this other income. So I said, you know, we got to turn up things on the business and get things going. So that was another defining moment, if you will. Uh, and, you know, did she uh, quit her? Did she quit her employer to come help you, or, or? over time? Oh, okay, time, but now so. she was she was kind of doing it part time at the time, helping you spare time. Okay, spare time, <laughs> yeah, spare time. Okay, so spare time turned into part time. Yeah, uh, and then part time eventually did turn into full time because we had some other things going on. We learned that uh, my mom needed some assistance, you know, with a, a little health thing she had going on. Um, so it, it was like pieces of the puzzle got dropped in our lap. We didn't know what they were for, but eventually the piece of the puzzle made sense. We put it together and now we can say, here we are. Here we are. All right. Yeah. And, um, where do you, where do you see the future hold for you, for you? So the future to me looks really, really bright. And, uh, what I see with that is us opening more offices, you know, in this line of business, um, but I'm looking really to get more into what I call the zip code. That's just what I call community. Um, we just recently supported, uh, and not in a large way, but it you know supports. That's cool. Um, this organization called the Compton Youth Athletics League. Uh, it was kind of near and dear to my heart to start doing something, right? So we started to where we just sponsor a student for the year, um, and I want to do more of that, right? Um, so those kinds of opportunities mean a lot to me. Uh, I definitely want to grow more in terms of the the business and the interpersonal community in Long Beach because again we're we're only three months in here, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's all new to us. But I, I feel like there's a lot of ways to flourish in terms of teaching people what we know financially, uh, and getting them to understand it, getting them to comprehend it, and then getting them to put it into practice so that way their lives can change as well. You know, I know that you're an entrepreneur, um, and it's what one o'clock basically and both of you and i are like hey let's do it on basically we did it on the day that works for us yeah uh we're not obligated to be anywhere necessarily outside of the places that we obligate ourselves right mm -hmm. i think that's a phenomenal thing for people to enjoy right when i I'll back up a little bit when i did go through uh, a really painful time of marriage and, and divorce it was a quick period but it was super long <laughs> uh, emotionally um the time to grieve that because it's it's a it's a deceased death process, right? Mm -hmm. Death of a relationship. Um, so I was blessed to be able to grieve through that. And I can't imagine sometimes when someone loses a loved one, right? And they give you two days, mm -hmm. right? You yep. spent years with this person, but yeah. you get over two, you two, two days, days yeah. Get over, yeah, or three days if they're mm -hmm. being kind. Um, those kinds of things that that's not, it's normal, mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be. Yeah. If that makes sense, right? 
uh, one of the favorite classes I took at UCLA literally was a class on normalcy. <laughs> mm. And essentially it just says whatever the masses does, that's normal. Mm. Doesn't make it right. Yeah. But that's what normal is defined as. So um, the opportunity, man, to to have a new wife and to say, okay, we're going to leave for seven days on a honeymoon and no one has anything to say. Uh, actually, our honeymoon, Patricia and I's, it's a funny story. Now it was not funny then. Um, she had taken a week off and her boss at the time called and said, hey, I know your wedding is on Saturday. It was Thursday. Your wedding's on Saturday. You're not getting married tomorrow. Can you come in to work tomorrow? Mm. And essentially, this person wanted to take off themselves. Right? Mm. It's like, that. I put in the whole week and you know that there's something. She's probably doing something to mm. prepare for the... Oh, yeah. You know, but... People are people, you know, funny, corporate America is corporate America. Um, and I'm not saying it's not necessary. I'm not saying people are not necessary. I'm not saying that at all. But when you are able to control how you create income, I'm sure you would agree, mm -hmm. it's phenomenal. A lot of people are afraid of it. You kind of alluded to that earlier, yeah. the commission thing. When you truly understand it, it's so uplifting. It's liberating, if you will, right? Because you may not know if you're going to get paid today. Mm -hmm. But that's actually the most beautiful part about it. Because where I knew I was going to get $1,022, actually, I actually checked that. Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to get that every two weeks. Knowing that means it ain't going to change. Mm -hmm. To go from that to today, I could make 2000 I could make 4000 I could make 15000 Whatever that number is. When you really understand it and you understand you're putting your self-worth, you're putting your value, you're putting your morals, you're banking on that as opposed to banking on someone else's attitude, someone else liking you or not liking you. Mm -hmm. And that controls when, where, and how you do life. That's really, to me, that's more scary. Mm -hmm. That takes so much control away from me and gives it to someone else as to... You can't go celebrate your brother and, and his new wife for their wedding because you got to be at work. Mm -hmm. right? You can't get them the gift that you would like to because you can't afford it because you don't make enough money. Right? Someone mentioned to me the other day, man, the darn gas prices are going up. And we're not wealthy on, the, on that scale. Not yet. I'm going to speak it to investors, right? But I didn't notice the gas price. I know a couple of months ago there was this uproar about eggs and the price of eggs. I I didn't worry about that. Mm. I, I wanted or I needed eggs, so I got them. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm all over the place just randomly spending or buying. Not that. But some of the things that hurt people last year mm -hmm. with inflation, it didn't hurt. Yeah. Did I like it? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I wasn't hurting or I didn't have to make any tough decisions. Such as, um, I had a cousin years ago, music industry. Um, I don't know for sure, but I think her death was due to financial decisions. Mm. Uh, she was taking some medication and she got laid off from her job, like many others. And I believe in my heart of hearts, Paul, that it came down to her and she didn't tell anyone, but it was either food or medication. Mm. Mm. And she didn't say anything. Yeah. Right. She was found in her apartment, so on and so on. I believe that it literally came down, what I brainstormed, it came down to that decision mm. for her. Mm. 
And so that's a lot of people's situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I agree with you and I agree with a lot of what you were saying, but there is a lot of uh, struggle with that. I mean, uh, that's why a lot of people go to a job where, you know, they get a paycheck, this and that because of the, of the unknown and because of the struggle, the, the sacrifices that, that you have to make in the beginning, you know, obviously when the wheel starts rolling, then that's a whole different story. And that's what you're talking about Correct. with the gas prices and the eggs, because you, you paid your dues and you figured it out a little bit. And, and the wheel now is, is rolling for you. Correct. I mean, in, in, in my life, uh, so to speak, it, I, you know, it, it was a struggle for me when I made that transition from the mortgage sales commission base. So I'm used to that. But but I but I built an empire on that and I, I was pretty good at it and I went to this this other realm coaching and and I had to find my way so I mean I had to do things that I never had to do before such as Uber and Lyft yeah. and I'm delivering food to people that I went to high school with yeah. and they're telling me you know in a roundabout way oh, oh things must not be good I didn't have time to explain what I was doing I had to get back in my car and make another delivery because I I had to make a certain amount of money to make it make it work to, to to balance this other stuff out and and some of my relationships with with people that I was dating um suffered and, and probably ended because of, of my decision to go into this entrepreneurship so um I just wanted to I just wanted to shine a light on that a little bit that that yeah I mean you're you're in a situation where you you made the sacrifice and now you're on the other side which is awesome and I and I support anybody who goes for it yeah. but I just want everybody to know that it's just not sunshine and roses when you jump off and go commission based it, okay. it takes it takes time so yeah. you kind of have to do other things on the side sometimes to make ends meet correct yeah and, and, you know, for what we do, we teach people to do this part-time, mm -hmm. right? Get, you know, the appropriate license that you need. Find out if you like it. Find out if you love it. Uh, life is always going to be there. So it may not be because you decided to start a business that life hits you. Some of these things are going to happen anyway. True. Right? I just feel, and I teach, you know, our folks this, <clears throat> When you have that freedom of time and the freedom of how you create money, I just feel like you have a better, more efficient way to respond to life. Right? Uh, because you don't have to wait for the five o'clock in the evening doctor's appointment when you're off the work. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, right now Patricia's doing her thing and she's helping our parents with doctor's appointments as we speak. Right. Um, she can do that, whereas before. She had to be at the job. Yeah. She would leave the house at six and she wouldn't get home till maybe six or seven. Mm. It's a long time yeah. to essentially support uh, and labor in someone else's journey. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, again, not wholeheartedly against some of these things, but she had a dream of her own. So you have to help some people, and some people have to say, well, when does my dream? become important again because for most people it was important at one time whether it was you know you wanted a fancy wedding or you wanted to be the the baseball player right you shared mm -hmm. that with me right whatever that dream was if it got buried or if someone smothered it well when does the fire get lit again mm -hmm. and i believe a couple of things right the passing of kobe and his daughter i think that woke people up uh i believe that 
uh, COVID woke people up, right? In lots of ways, because companies really were, and some still are, doing some antiquated things. Um, it proved that a lot of people and things can run remotely and they can be efficient, right? Um, not everyone was efficient, you know? <laughs> um, but some of those things, I, I think it just gave us an opportunity to see, again, perhaps there's something else out there for me. Because whether a person was for or against, you know, uh, the vaccine, whether they were for or against working from home or going back into the office, either way, I think they started to see some of what was going on. Meaning, if you're in the house with your kids now for a year, you're going to get to see their daily behavior. You see the morning and the, the evening. Mm -hmm. But what does that teacher saying throughout the day? Yeah. Right? And what people look like, you know? Uh, if you're not able to do your job because, gosh, you're sick at home from this thing you know, or your kid's sick or whatever, now you kind of get a feel of what your boss really thinks about you. You get a feel of how important you may or may not be to this corporation. Uh, I think, you know, corporations really kind of got exposed. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And we can go down a rabbit hole talking about that. Um, but uh, I want to go into this, really. Um, you said you, you have a, a plan for your, your future. Mm -hmm. um, what do you do for the present day uh, now that you have this freedom to keep yourself grounded, keep yourself enjoying the happiness of the day? Oh, there's a lot. Okay. Uh, it's moment by moment some days. Mm -hmm. And I want people to understand that, right? What I mean is uh, the minute my eyes open, I kind of look around, right? See where I'm at, right? I say thank you, right? I, I want to show gratitude immediately, right? And I will start one or the other, whether it's prayer or meditation. Uh, I always try and fit in both, right? Uh, and so from there, I may do some reading of a book or I may have it on audiobook, something of the sort. I may plug into a YouTube or something like this and, and just really start to feed myself something that can help me grow or something that, I don't know what's coming, right? Because I have crystal ball, but it may be something that defends me from something, right? A, a negative attitude when I step out of the house or a crazy driver or whatever. So I need some kind of uh, force field, <laughs> mm. if you will, mentally. So I'm always doing a lot of mental work. Uh, in fact, Paul, uh, during the COVID period, I started to feel really awkward, and it came in response to um, the, the death of George Floyd. Um, didn't know how to respond, but I just really, really, I became whatever the opposite of desensitized is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I became that, and I really started to see myself in that man, and it was very scary being the head of the household and breadwinner. Um, I didn't like it. Drove me absolutely bananas. And I ended up going to therapy. And so I've kind of become an advocate, if you will, of mental health. And I go through some things, readings and such that pertain to that. You know, uh, anything that will help me either get or keep or grow a positive mindset is what I do to maintain the day 
And then, of course, there's, you know, a little list, right? What I need to accomplish today. Uh, and checking things off the box, right? It gives you some small wins. It gives you a sense of accomplishment, if you will, right? And then looking forward to some things. That's why I asked you about the, the golf thing, right? <laughs> um, because I, I would like to learn how to I know it's going to always be a challenge, and it's always going to be difficult because, you know, you're playing the environment and the, the wind or whatever, and you're playing the course. and all your, It's just stuff you don't control. But to me, that's life. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, talking to the right group of people, mm -hmm. um, I've got a, an, an a, a amazing group of friends and family that I can talk to. I always try to be transparent, and I always try to communicate. But now I'm teaching people because I finally learned it. I'm always teaching also not just communication but comprehension, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't comprehend and understand what is being said to you or or vice versa with you can communicate all day. It's like, you know, Patty speaks Spanish. I don't understand and comprehend everything she says because I don't speak Spanish, but she's communicating, right? <laughs> well, I'm not comprehending it. So it's the same thing and you know, relationships are important, whether it's a, a marital or a dating relationship or just a friend to friend, brother to brother. You got to communicate and comprehend and you want to do so with people that can both encourage and challenge you. Mm. If you've got folks around you that don't encourage you and you won't allow them to challenge you, you don't have the right people around you. Mm. You probably have like a fan around you and fans don't do anything but for the most part, they just kind of cheer you on. But there's no accountability. Mm -hmm. And that can get you down the wrong pathway, lost. Um, it can lead you to having a big hubris, right? I don't believe in the traditional normal word pride. Um, the word to be afraid of is hubris. Pride is nothing to be afraid of, right? We should take pride in our appearance, right? You take pride in your, your podcast and your mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. right? It's the hubris where we don't listen to anybody. That's what we should be. That's what comes before a fall on the Bible, not pride. Um, so that's kind of my my day, man. Just a lot, a lot of, a lot of great nuggets. Uh, is there anything you want to leave uh, our viewers with? Anything that you, that we that you haven't uh, touched on that you'd like to touch on? Uh, I think I touched on most of it. You know, get better, not bitter. Comprehend past the point of communication. Um, I learned a long time ago, too, that love is a choice. You know, the whole thing of I love you, but I'm not in love with you is kind of like some crap. Mm -hmm. right? uh, because love is action. Mm -hmm. I, it really is a choice. You know, I'm big on relationships. Again, whether it's marital or brother to brother, you know, you, you, you got to show people that there's compassion. You got to show people that there's love. Um, and you never know what that's going to do for you. Right? Like, it's an honor to be on your show today. You know, I don't know if there's one viewer or 100,000. It really doesn't matter. The fact that I was invited is an honor. And I'm grateful for it. So I just have evolved as a person. And I wish, Paul, that we could allow people the benefit of having a past. Whoever you were in high school, you ain't that person no more. Mm -hmm. 
I certainly am not. I was 165 in high school. I ain't that now. <laughs> right? Um, so I think that's it. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's leave our viewers with uh, a kind of a fun light note. Uh, <laughs> since this is about Long Beach, yeah. where are your favorite places to eat around the town in Long Beach? All right. So far, I'm still learning. Okay. Okay. Um, gosh. About to make me give up my secrets, right? But <laughs> um, we really enjoy a good day at uh, Fuego. It's okay. At the the Maya Hotel. Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right, it sits right on the water. Uh huh. Um, Parker's Lighthouse. We really enjoy it there. Um, that's that particular area. Yes. So right here where we are, uh, man, I had a phenomenal breakfast. There was a biscuits and gravy or something like that. And it was at uh, Mima's. Okay. Atlantic. Oh, man. Had a phenomenal breakfast there. Uh, trying to think what else may be. Okay. May I have a suggestion for you? Since Absolutely. you're you're in the, the Bixby Knowles area, Absolutely. I would uh, suggest you try bacon broil for a breakfast. Okay. And, okay. and and have a have a have a dessert, have a pie there. All of it's homemade. So so okay. and it's right down the street from you. I would I'd give it a go. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. I know I pass it pretty yeah. often. I've never stopped there. Yeah, I, I would and, and I could walk here. You could walk there and but you would want to do it before noon because it gets okay. packed. So you know it's good because it's packed there. So so if you, if you make it an early lunch, go in there at 11, and uh, you'll be in and out before the, the lunch crowd goes in there. Sound good. I love you. Well, it was a pleasure talking with you yeah. today, and I, 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 and I know that uh, we'll be working on some things in the future, and I'm so glad that uh, we've uh, made this uh, relationship grow. Me too. Me All right. Too. Well, it's been a long beach thing. Thank you for tuning into It's a Long Beach Thing. Please tune in next time for another great episode. Thank you and have a good rest of your day.